You're listening to the State of Our Football Nation on FNR. Uh, I'm a little disoriented. We're actually in the FNR studio. Uh, you're alongside me. Uh, and the only people on Zoom are our guests. And in fact, one of them is in the waiting room and he's got the big broad grin on because he knows we're going to catch up with him. But I need to say to him before we start, many congratulations, John Didulitsa, uh, on a tremendous new ebook. And um, what a worthy time. And more importantly, what an important story that needs to be told and you're telling it. And uh, I wish you every success with it. How are you, my friend? Oh, very well, George. Glad to be able to join you guys to discuss, you know, the kaleidoscope that is our game. Well, it is a kaleidoscope and there's so much that we don't remember or we don't know or we've forgotten. That's probably more important. Um, what possessed you? What was the drive? What was the catalyst to get this the book up? Yeah, I think it's something that I've been thinking about for a while. I, I think a lot of the a lot of these sorts of stories are things that we exchange informally, like at cafes, over <laughs> dinner, when we catch up at games. You know, we're always talking about these really funny or quirky or um, interesting moments, these great characters. Um, but we always always land on the deeper resonance that a lot of them have. And they're, and they're not just funny stories or throwaway lines, but they're actually deeply entrenched in what it means to be Australian. And... I was just thinking about the best way to actually tell that story. And that was in my mind, how do you actually tell that in a really engaging, interesting way? And then there's the, the notion of building it around, you know, eight games of football um, and pulling out stories within Australian culture um, that would, would demonstrate how important football has been to shaping and reflecting modern Australia. You know, I think, you know, as I argue in the book, more so than than any other sport, um, and certainly it's been sidelined for you know well over a century as a part of Australian life. And what we've sought to do over many years has been to change who we are to try and fit in. Yeah. But we need to realise that we're not going to fit in. The, the the people that hold the power in all these areas they don't want us to be. Um, on level terms with them. Um, but we, so we have to be ourselves. Let's just be proud of who we are, warts and all, for better or for worse. And my bet is that it will resonate authentically with all the millions of people that love the game. So that's the direction we need to go. No, no more of this appeasement, trying to pretend we're someone we're not. We are who we are. And importantly, it goes beyond just a nice Savlaki or a Chivapi roll. Like <laughs> what our contribution is, is not just some good smells at a barbie. Yeah. It is deeply shaping the Australian nation. And that's what I've tried to touch on in the book. There's eight themes of Australian life that can be told through football in a really authentic, engaging way. And you've also added another dimension to it by bringing uh, the forward, the man himself, Ange Postacoglu. He, he can do no wrong at the moment and long may it continue uh, he's written a beautifully, um, uh, a beautifully touching uh, intro, which I think is yeah. so right and so proper and uh, reminds us all of how important it is to know where we came from. And I'm just wondering, uh, 
you've had some – your story, your personal, your family story is a, is a very strong one it's, and it's gripped you forever and a day from your grandfather and all the people around him that allowed you and brought you into the football club that you grew up in when you were growing up in, in Geelong in that areas, those areas there. Is this written as sort of a – not as a salve, as a, as a thank you to, to all those people and the people who remember your grandfather and others? Yeah, that's a really lovely way to put it, George. I think that's a really nice way to put it in terms of, you know, my parents and my grandfather's friends and his other sons and daughters and and how we built a really vibrant community that had football at the centre of it, you know, and to be able to show all them that what they did doesn't go unnoticed is that it lives on in us and lives on, hopefully will live on in our children as we build these clubs. And to the Ange point, I, I think... I'm really proud that Ange chose to write Mm. a dedication within the book because he really articulated this notion, I won't say first, because it's something that a lot of people have discussed, but Ange is the head coach of the national team as probably the most resonant spokesperson for a while, was always putting this at the front and centre of every discussion he had around the game, is the need to be proud of who we are. And he tried to get that onto the pitch, is that we're going to play, you know, a quote-unquote Aussie way mm. and get results on the global stage. That's what he aspired to achieve. Um, so a lot of, you know, my inspiration in putting something like this together and thinking more deeply about these issues came from, you know, not my, just my personal story and the sacrifices of all the old, you know, people that came into Australia post-World War II, but of people like Ange who had the courage to stand up and, you know, had the courage of their convictions to pursue this. Um, and, you know, like everyone, we're just so proud of what he's achieved and the legacy that he's built in Australian football too. Look, I, I, I love also very much the fact that you've gone back and you, you talk about federation. It's a chapter. It, it's a segment. It's a, it's a part of the book that enriches so many people that weren't born in those days and don't remember and some of the characters that you bring to light and shine a, light, a big light on, uh, John Moriarty, Charlie Perkins. Now, they're people that resonate with me because I, I knew them. Uh, they were big characters. And one of the most wonderful things I can remember Charlie saying to my father when uh, he used to bring his car in to get serviced at Redfern where Dad had a service station was that he, he loved the community, loved Panhellenic. He never had a problem with the multicultural Australians. He always felt seriously compromised by the Aussies, Mm. you know, the the so-called Skippy. He felt there was this huge, um, um, not a blip, but a a step that he had to get around. John Moriarty tells how he felt seriously un-Australian, especially when he went to Europe. And you tell this story. People need to read it. Need to need to get a sense of just how difficult it was for these two young men, who were firebrands in the fact that they had serious talent, but they also had a very special uh, spirit inside them that yeah. re- that encouraged them above all else to stand up and do something more than yeah. just play the game. And that's really important, George, because I think of all the chapters. Um, the one on the First Nations people is the yeah. most moving for me, like the stories of John and Charles that you've you've spoken about. And one, I think it operates on two levels. The first is 
it was the ethnic communities that embraced them as equals, which was something they did and not receive. Them. And paid yeah, them. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, oh. it's, it, they were happy to be paid. Yeah. What they went to play Aussie rules, they weren't allowed to be paid. They had to change, get changed in separate change rooms. Whereas the ethnic communities at the soccer clubs took them in, treated them as equals. But what that did when they were a part of all these local communities, all, all the t- all the stuff you read says that what that so a it gave them that, that respect that they hadn't had previously, but b it unlocked in them this sense that they were part of a bigger world, and that in turn gave them the fire to start advocating on behalf of their fellow Indigenous Australians. You know, my favourite line in the whole piece oh, of research that yeah. I did was Charles Perkins, was the f- he was the first Aboriginal man to graduate from university. And guess how he, he graduated paid for his fees? Yeah, through his from, football. Was, yeah, through football, yeah, yeah. through Sid Panhellenic, yep. um, paid for his fees. Um, Branko Filippi, the coach of, at the, 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 the president of Adelaide Croatia, paid for his airfares. Even though he was going to play in Sydney, he paid exactly. for his airfares. But, but moreover, the inspiration for him to become that person who in 65 graduated from university, in 67 led the referendum that led to um, Aboriginals being recognised federally in the constitution was him when he was overseas in England playing for Bishop Auckland yeah. and he had a game at, at Oxford United and he walked around the Oxford, I think, or Cambridge, and he walked like Oxford, and he walked around the campus just admiring the buildings and the history and all of that, and, and said to himself, "I'm going to graduate from university one day." So he goes back through the power of football. He sees that comes back to Australia through the power of football, pays his way through to graduate from university and have this wonderful story. So why isn't that celebrated? Why why isn't why, why isn't that on a why isn't he on a twenty dollar note? Um, like you know, the other story that I love is the '67 Vietnam Socceroos. Oh yes. Um, and you know we don't send you know we didn't send Collingwood and Essendon players to the middle of Saigon and drop them in a war zone to play a tournament, did we? We dropped 21 Aussies from all parts of Australia who were m- more often than not average age of about 20 or 21 into that place to represent Australia. You know, so there's all these stories that we know, and what I really wanted to do was tie them under a central thread. You know. Actually, funnily enough, a lot of people don't even know these stories, which is interesting. I think people maybe who are living the game, you know, 24-7 might, might know it. Um, but tied under this natural thread about how important football has been to Australia right. and how it reflects the journey of different parts of Australia. So the Indigenous stuff isn't about us saying, look, we're the right, we're the rightful sport and we've we've you know unlocked Charles Perkins. It's about saying the the journey of Indigenous culture is very is parallel with the journey of Australian football. Is that we're constantly excluded at every step when we try to do the right thing and give an olive branch to what you know nominally is described as mainstream Australia, we're just rebuffed. You know that they, they sought constitutional recognition a few years ago, rejected. The same way footballs tried to become, you know, an equal to the other sports, and we just constantly cast aside you know when you're when you're a soccer player and you dive you're a cheater but when you're a cricketer and you appeal for a decision you know <laughs> not out you just you're, you're a wily you're playing by your wits and you're a wily customer yeah correct yeah. they're just yeah, different yeah. manifestations of gamesmanship now when we do it we're somehow un-australian and that's the theme that we've all experienced again and again so with this book what i've tried to do is put all these stories together under this theme of you know let's 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 you know not, it's not so much a manifesto or a movement, but it's just about saying let's have pride in who we are Absolutely. because we've done a hell of a lot for this country and we deserve to be treated on an equal footing with not just sport because 
you know, football's so much more than a sport. This is a, it's a cultural pursuit. It's part of our lives. It's not a code. You know, people say, oh, we're a football code. We're not a football code. We're a way of life. And that's how we need to organise. That's how we need to support the game. And that's how we need to um, see ourselves. Yeah, people need Bit to read this book. Sorry, boys. People, no, no, <laughs> people need to read this book uh, of all ages because you tell the wonderful story about Moriarty being selected for South Australia, being good enough to play for Australia, but being pulled aside by the management at the time and saying, um, um, I don't know how to tell you this, but you can't travel without a permit yeah. out of the state. Yeah. And yeah. it's not up to us to give it to you. It's up to the Australian government of the day. It's shocking stuff. And then there's the other element uh, when uh, we, 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 got a go- we got a bundle of fabulous players from Europe in the late 50s uh, and early 60s. One of them was a guy called Leo Baumgartner, who was a, just a, a marvellous player. But you also tell us that he was one of the reasons why we were banned yeah. from the world. <laughs> yeah. and uh, great enough, stories, John. Great it's, stories. It's great. So, you know, we talk about federation, we talk about major sporting events and how the Asian Cup has never gained traction for what a great event it was. You know, we talk about gender equality and how the Matildas are the living, breathing symbol of what women have had to endure um, in Australia over the past century. Um, So there's a lot of those themes that are quite, you know, central to Australian life, but viewed at through a, a footballing lens. So I hope people who love both football but have an interest in broader social matters will get a kick out of it. Here's the sizzle. Christmas is coming up. Right. Reading is a great thing. Yeah. Now, how do people go about and get the book, John? Uh, Amazon. Amazon. Just jump on Amazon. Google Football Belongs and I'll search, do the search. Chuck Football Belongs in the search. And there's an ebook for $9.99 and a paperback for $19.79. So nice and afford, nice price point, George. <laughs> and more importantly, it belongs to be in every library, every sporting library yeah, in the country. Sorry. So bravo, mate. Terrific stuff. I think and, we'll have to get a, a copy for the green room here at. And Why not? For the waiting yeah, room. have, have it up. We've got for, a nice little collection For all our guests who, when they arrive and, and, and allowed to wait oh. in, the, in the actual room, not virtual, they can read this, a segment each. Uh, and by depending the way, on what they're uh, talking about, maybe brush up on some things before they go Correct. On. Now, we know that you've got a, a schedule you've got to get away, but uh, it would be remiss of me if I don't ask you. Uh, mate, you've made a major s- switch. You've, I, re- I remember you when you started at Melbourne Heart. Uh, you then went to the PFA, and now what's this? You're, you've just crossed the street, and you're looking after Melbourne Victory. <laughs> I've escaped to victory. <laughs> um, I've seen the movie. Stop it, Ray. Uh, it's a great movie. It's a great. Now look, we're looking forward to it. You know, we're all looking forward to the start of the season next week. Um, so much positive momentum, I think, sits behind the A Leagues at the moment, on and off the field. So I think probably like everybody else, just really looking forward to round one. The buzz is great. Have you? What have you made of the uh, the the Network Ten uh, ad that they played straight out of the Melbourne Cup? You wouldn't have imagined that in the past, would you? Yeah, it's nice. That's no, great. It's as I said, uh, I do sense some positive momentum. Sometimes you're probably more attuned to it because you're working in it. Um, but certainly, compared to recent seasons when I have been working in it, I'm a lot more positive about where things are and. Um, we're going to members function on Monday night. We'll answer some questions there. And then all the talking will be done on the pinch, pitch in a couple of weeks, mate. So we can't wait. Oh, look, that's fantastic stuff. Well, we know Johnny's got to go. But, uh, JD, this isn't the last we're hearing from you. Next week we'll, uh, we'll get you in Special. the studio for uh, an If You Know yep. Your History deep dive. <laughs> 
Yeah, I know, I know. I think Paul's going to move Rudis will be in that, so he's going to probably give me a six love, six love, but I'll, I'll do my best. <laughs> He'll give you a grilling, I'm sure. But JD, yeah. it's a fabulous book. We encourage everyone to go out and get it. Football Belongs, Eight Matches That Explain Australia. Thanks so much for making the time. Uh, thanks for the time, guys. All the very best. Speak there soon. The John man who's now sw- switched colours. I can't believe T-shirt. I can't believe it's <laughs> escaped a victory. My God. There you go. Look, it's, it, we, we spoke about the book. Uh, football belongs. It's it's a tremendous read. Uh, for some of us, even more potent because and more um, engaging, and because we've lived that time. But there are so many young people who don't know about some great chapters and some great characters who were larger than life and have left a fabulous legacy, and they deserve to be recognised. And as John alluded to. Why don't we have Charlie Perkins on the uh, $50 bill or the $20 bill or John Moriarty for that matter? Um, I think John Johnny has a, a stamp, if my memory serves me correctly. Right, okay. But Charlie Perkins deserves one. Uh, he, was, he was a character. He was a fiery player and a talented player and, uh, and a great voice for the Indigenous uh, movement in Australia. He was a first Australian, a very proud man. And um, as he said time and time again, uh, whenever we spoke, he always felt comfortable amongst the multicultural community because no one gave him a second glance. They treated him mm. just like anyone else, as as we should. And he felt uh, like he was um, an outsider. Isn't that isn't it crazy? Yeah, and I think another story that's covered in the book worth bringing up on today on Remembrance Day yes. is, uh, you know, the role of footballers during World War One. Correct. And and the ANZAC effort because uh, football actually, you know, pl- paid a heavy price for yep. suspending its leagues in most parts of Australia to assist with the war effort because other football codes with players who didn't go to war continued and ended up surpassing and taking over certain venues and and football association football clubs were devastated by you know the actual losses they suffered during during the great war because they couldn't replenish their teams and And it was generations had been lost hadn't they and there are so many uh sort of more memorialization uh, events in other football codes in australia and you know notably the afl but Mm. i don't think we quite acknowledge it uh the same way in association football i think that's chapter two of, of john's book looks into that uh, this is State of Our Football Nation. Uh, we run every Thursday on FNR, Josh Parrish, George Danikian. We've started the program as quickly as we could with uh, John Didulitsa uh, because he had a, a, a number of commitments. A very important day, mm. the Socceroos yeah. are, are home, can you believe it or not? And more importantly, just as the Matildas, you know, shone and played so brilliantly against Brazil, um, we've got a very important game tonight. It's on 10. I think the action starts early, but if you want to uh, make the game, I think it's just on 8 o'clock or just after 8 o'clock on mm-hmm. Channel 10. Yep. Uh, it's, a, it's the main channel, is it? Yes, I think Fantastic. so. Fantastic. So, again, the new television partner doing its bit. Uh, so there are no excuses. You can't say, I don't pay subscrip- subscriptions. You don't require a subscription. It's free to air. Yeah, and uh, it's on 10 play as well. It's on 10 you play. You don't have your TV connection correct, working. correct. So a, a lot of good things happening. Uh, we've seen some tremendous uh, news from overseas. Uh, again, Sam Kerr um, and uh, 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 some of her teammates from the Matildas have been playing some good football. Uh, young Steph, 
Catley did something quite extraordinary oh, playing for Arsenal. Goodness. Playing for Arsenal, I'll say it again because Lockie Flanagan's nearly fallen over. He's not listening, clearly. <laughs> uh, Arsenal women's. What a goal. Steph Catley just steps up. She's never scored for Arsenal. She's just joined. And she's in a European Cup game, by the she way. And she's just gone absolute. She's done a, could I say a messy? Could I say a messy? She yeah. just, and she's moved it left, right into the corner. You know where the spiders hide? Mm-hmm. Right there. It, yes. Top if you, All the Arsenal fans, even the ones that don't watch traditionally the women's, are, are still raving about it. There are grown Arsenal men who are, sit, are in tears <laughs> thinking, why can't our men do that? <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, I, I think Martin Odegaard hit a free kick. Um, yeah, let's not go there. Similar a, a few weeks ago, but it wasn't quite no, no, as pinpoint. No, no, it wasn't quite as, uh, as top bins as Catley's effort. And then followed up by... Another Australian, Caitlin Ford, with a towering header. Yeah. You mentioned the Socceroos. Uh, no excuses not to watch it. Um, maybe Arnie might be preparing some excuses if he doesn't get a result because Adam Taggart, Tom Rogic, Aaron Moy, all out. I've got an excuse, though. Yeah. Uh, Zappers, Michael Zappone, mm-hmm. he actually was invited to take the team out for a walk <laughs> outside I did see that. the stadium. Now, my great fear is... He's a Victorian boy. He's a Melbourne boy. He's not a Sydney boy. D- he may have lost a player. I sent him a tweet. I said, mate. Did they have a buddy system? Or? <laughs> Are you using the latest GPS download? <laughs> and have you lost anybody? Please check. So the word is if there are any players that don't uh, shine tonight, there's a reason. <laughs> so he's exhausted them or frightened the hell out of them. Uh, we've got a couple of special guests coming up. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of them is the current president of South Melbourne uh, football club. His name is Nick Marcusis. Uh, he's a very, very, very proud guy. He's also a very, very nervous guy at the moment, but he's also the host of what promises to be a seriously exciting FFA Cup game tomorrow night. It's happening at Lakeside, uh, which is in the heart of Albert Park, and it's the spiritual home of, uh, you know, the, what is it, the four-time national champions, um, South Melbourne, and uh, I tell you what, they're gearing up. They've even reached out to a Celtic manager to, uh, to offer up a bit of inspirational um, enlightenment. And I'm just wondering if you've got it ready. Should we play it now or should we hold it up for Nick? Let, let's play it after the break so Nick can hear right. it as well. <laughs> Fantastic stuff. And, and then a little bit later on, we have an opportunity to catch up with uh, a young woman who's doing a tremendous job at Football Australia. In fact, she's done a lot for football for an awful long time. She was a Matilda from about 2004 to about 2012. Mm -hmm. She then left and uh, uh, got off the field only to join the ABC and be part of their commentary team for about four years. And then she left and went to Fox, which is, of course, the home of football at the time. And just when that sort of, you know, started to to um, change and she got a sense that things might be moving, she put her hand up and she joined Football Australia. And she's got a tremendous role. She's the head of women's football and inclusion and just about everything else. Yeah. So Legacy an, for the World Cup. Exactly right. So if you thought, if you, thought uh, you know, that wonderful, uh, that wonderful line, uh, the minister for everything, well, she's the, uh, the, the, one of the management team at Football Australia that has more than one role, and she's a very, very proud young woman. I'm talking about Sarah Walsh, and she'll be joining us on FNR, State of Our Football Nation, to talk about 
how things are faring, uh, what challenges lie ahead. And dare I say it yet again, we're less than two years away from a World Cup down under. But before we go for a break, I've got to ask a question of you. Have you caught up with some of the shenanigans that have gone on? Some serious skullduggery in Europe. I, I, I remember growing up doing a story about uh, an American a skater called Tonya Harding yes. uh, who, who was no. trying to make the American Olympic team and there was only one problem. There was a better skater in front of her. And guess what she did to eliminate the competition or to overcome the competition? I think she had some uh, some friends in balaclavas, did she not? <laughs> she attacked she attacked her herself. <laughs> but but in France, I'm hearing Paris Saint Germain, two midfielders um, who have had a a bit of a uh, let's difficult last year or two playing together. One of them, uh, it appears, we're waiting to hear the 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 final words from that story. It appears that she's paid people to hurt. Her, her teammate, yes. not her opponent, but her teammate. It's not a good story. No. It's not the sort of thing we want to see. And, and I think it's just taking competition way too far, way too far. Well, it's Kira Hamraoui, the uh, player who was in the first team and uh, the aspirant, uh, Aminata Diallo, has been arrested for allegedly hiring men to injure her PSG teammate. PSG, of course, being one of the biggest Clubs in women's football, well, second only to Lyon in France. Well, actually, they've, they've just beaten Lyon yeah, recently. There you go. So, so they're, the, they're the biggest women's club in the world and uh, you, the last thing you want. And again, it just shows you that mm. maybe some of the rewards are so great. Mm. And, and it's a wonderful story. There's, there's only room for one yeah, mm. at the very top. Um, I'll tell you what, it's, it's an ugly story. But um, uh, let's hope that something emerges positive from it and people realise we've got to protect people from, from, even, from even their teammates. Oh, dear. Oh. Let's right. take a break. And when we come back, Nick Marcusis, the president of South Melbourne, joining us to talk about a very important FFA Cup game coming up tomorrow night at Lakeside. You're listening to the State of Our Football Nation on FNR. I just want to wish my old club, uh, South Melbourne, uh, the very best in their FFA Cup game against the A-League champions, Melbourne City. I'm sure everyone in South is looking forward to this uh, big game, particularly against another South old boy in uh, Paddy Kisnorbo. It's a big game in a big stage, but it's where South Melbourne performs at its best. South Melbourne are back-to-back champions of Australia. It's a club that's close to my heart. I grew up there. I was a ball boy, I was a junior senior player, captain, coach, very much forms part of the person I am today. The FFA Cup is a fantastic competition. It connects all aspects of the game in Australia. And I'm sure it's a clash that everyone's looking forward to. Get down to the ground, it's going to be a unique atmosphere where you really understand what uh, a lifeblood of football is. Good luck to everyone, particularly my old club. And I look forward to an entertaining game. Well, you don't get a better invitation than that, uh, young Nick. Nick Marcusis, the president of South Melbourne FC, joining us from the heart of uh, Lakeside Stadium. I think it's the – is that the Hall of Champions? Where, where are you right now? 
I'm actually in the uh, social club, the uh, <laughs> Money 59 Bar and Grill, uh, which does have our, our major championships and, and uh, major trophies here. Mate, um, can I just say you look resplendent and very comfortable, and I dare say it'll be very full tomorrow. Is that the word? Yeah, I mean, that's that's very much the case. Pre-sales, the online pre-sales are uh, higher than they were for, obviously, the Sydney FC game, which um, uh, was a few years ago now. Um, the only difference, of course, is for the Sydney FC game that uh, took place here, we had probably 4,000 walk-ups. And um, as we speak, there's only online sales. Given uh, the, the most here. important thing, if I was president, what's the weather forecast? <laughs> Remember, it rained and it rained and it rained. You obviously haven't looked, George, at uh, the forecast for tomorrow night, mate, because I don't think it's it's looking much better. Oh, gee. No. Oh. Now, tell me, COVID-wise, uh, what restrictions exist? Do you have to be double-vaxxed? What's, what's the word, Bidimo? Uh, uh, it's, it's very simple. Um, the, the, the vaccine economy applies. That is that everyone must be double-vaxxed uh, to enter Lakeside Stadium. Um, so, so that that process will take place. The checking process, the QR coding, the uh, proof of COVID certificate will all take place game day. So you'll have uh, COVID marshals uh, roaming the ground and doing what they normally do at every other game, huh? Yeah, absolutely. There's 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 um, specific staff for those functions for the two the various gates, gate one and gate two. So, uh, Josh Parrish wants to know: Have you secretly? Uh, use one of those anti-aging uh, young um, uh, pills to bring back uh, a guy that made quite a difference whenever he played. I'm talking about Paul Trimboli. You haven't managed to recreate or clone Trimboli and run him out tomorrow night. No, but you might be surprised as a youngster that might get some game time tomorrow who reminds me a lot of Conditionis, actually. Woo! Uh, really? Have you told Con you're letting him out to play? He's <laughs> <laughs> the same sort of gifted left lefty. Wow. Um, so it'll be interesting to see. Uh, how the boys pre pre preparing, it's a very big occasion. Uh, you know full well. You've been down this road before. You understand the rewards. You understand the challenges. You understand everything else that comes with it. You're, you're not newbies. This is a tremendous occasion. And as you heard from Ange, uh, a golden moment. It's a tremendous competition. It brings all the clubs in Australia that are part of the game together. So a tremendous opportunity. Oh, there's there's no doubt about it. We're big supporters of the uh, of the FFA Cup. The uh, but you're right, George. This isn't our first um, uh, time uh, in the dance. We've um, obviously we had uh, Sydney FC a few years ago. But you know, if you go back. If you go back 20-odd years when we took a, a group of semi-professionals, including Paul Trimboli that you spoke about, <laughs> and we, we took a group of semi-professionals to uh, Madakana and took on uh, Sir Alex Ferguson's um, uh, Man U with Skulls and Beckham and, you know, I think Bosnich was in goals in those days. Uh, you're talking um, about a Manchester United side that actually could win. <laughs> we're, we're not talking about the same one that we're talking about today, put it that way. <laughs> Um, mind, you, and, mind you, Ronaldo is playing. That's eh? <laughs> a bit of a throwback. It's I a throwback. Yeah, joined yeah. A few how, years old later. Was he, how old would he have been there? We're about 15, 12, 12 <laughs> or 15? Like 
I'm not sure Ronaldo was there. I can't no, remember. No, no, he probably wasn't. He prob- probably I think he joined a- in about 2004. Yeah, 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 yeah. Correct. Think, right. think about but Greece 2004 and that'll bring back warm memories for you, Nick. <laughs> <laughs> well, I even remember um, uh, even Vasco da Gama that we played. Oh, yeah. Seven, seven current or former Brazilian internationals. So, you know, you're talking about Steve Panopoulos, Paul Trimboli, these lads uh, certainly certainly gave us a lot of pride after their, those performances. So can I tell you, it's not our first time we're f- uh, facing a professional outfit. And uh, the boys are ready for it. We have nothing to fear. We have uh, nothing to lose in the end. Yeah, that's so uh, What time does the action start? 7.30 kickoff. Cannot wait. Uh, Nick, we've seen some of the other NPL clubs uh, dip into, I don't know, is it the marquee fund, uh, the ring of supply, and, and get some of the sort of all-stars from the rest of the competition that were available uh, in order to, to strengthen their, their stocks ahead of Head of a tie, um, we saw the likes of Ruthven and, and Bernarda turning out uh, in the Hume City-Port Melbourne game last night. Has uh, South taken any similar approaches or are you saving any uh, nasty surprises <laughs> for when for the tomorrow. team sheets come out? Uh, first of all, uh, uh, I'm, I'm banned from giving any uh, squad details away. <laughs> but, but the reality is simply that we're going with our 2021 squad. Okay. Any potential new signings will not be participating in uh, the fixture tomorrow night. Uh, we want to be loyal to uh, to the boys that served us well to get us on uh, to get us to this this point. Um, and the FA had some technicalities and complexities around building a set of rules to to allow for this fi- particular fixture. Because remember, this fixture was probably scheduled two months ago. Correct. Correct. Um, so it's actually a credit to the FA for um, for keeping this competition alive, quite frankly, and not giving up on it. Uh, it could have done what other federations have done and pulled a pin on competitions. Yes. They, cho- they chose not to. Yeah. And with all parties working closely together, uh, we've been able to pull it off. And yeah, here yeah. we are. It's a good point that you make because the t- one of the Tasmanian clubs has uh, decided, uh, you know, not to compete this year. It's far yep. too difficult, especially with the COVID uh, requirements and uh, I think uh, the other side will now go through. Yeah, it's Avondale. In fact, it's yeah. Avondale, correct. Avondale. And Avondale will now proceed. Um, and I trust there'll be an opportunity for Avondale to actually acknowledge the uh, the club that has allowed them to uh, to make the the move yeah, forward. Devonport. Yeah, yeah because it, it's yes, important. It's, it it talks about integrity. And you guys have been asked to to hold that squad for another another two months. How difficult yeah. has that been? Nick, it's 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 been a real challenge, honestly, uh, and not not necessarily the the players that are all on the same page. George, the yeah, football yeah. department is fully committed. Uh, the difficulty, of course, is that even though we we're able to train, we still couldn't uh, participate in practice games per yeah. se. Yeah. Um, so even the, the, were... that edge that you speak of, that competitive edge, is what we're we're all talking about. Correct. Correct. Yeah. The we played Avondale in the practice game a week and a half or two ago now. Uh, we were scheduled to play uh, Melbourne Victory. They they pulled the pin on that particular game. So we've actually had lots of um, lots of uh, intra club friendlies, uh, basically. Mm. Uh, so it's, uh, a lot of our training, apart from the structural stuff, the, the football department's been organised, the coaches organised, uh, has been really uh, the squad playing uh, 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 against the reserves. The uh, under under twenty one squads. Uh, have the cameras been there to set up and uh, and showcase the game tomorrow? 
I think there's uh, four cameras. Um, uh, someone's nodding their head. There's four <laughs> cameras on one side, and there's another one camera on the other. There's five cameras in total tomorrow, from what I understand. And the and the venue's looking picturesque as it always does with that Melbourne backdrop. That's the best cityscape. That is the oh. best cityscape in any sporting ground in Australia. That is just magical. And if the weather plays a role or a part, as it should. It'll be it'll be just magnificent, especially for those in the president's uh, uh, corporate suite. Uh, will that be full tomorrow, or do you have COVID uh, restrictions there as well? Uh, there, there are COVID restrictions, but we uh, we sold out the event within uh, a couple of days of launching it. Bravo. So um, yeah, upstairs will be as as full as we can, and uh, the ground will be as full as we can in COVID environment. Let's let's also be honest here. This is probably the biggest. Uh, event uh, we're anticipating four and a half, five thousand people here for tomorrow. That's the capacity. Yep. And that's your uh, COVID capacity. COVID capacity. Yeah. Uh, and and given you think about Melbourne Cup, they had ten thousand people there, and that venue is over hundred hundred odd thousand people. So from percentage perspective, it's actually a a, a significant event. A significant first event since we've reopened. And uh, the kitchen, of course, has uh, spent the appropriate time getting uh, the resources and all the accoutrements required to make sure that those hungry fans are well fed. We've got a great, uh, we've got a great uh, group of individuals that that run our catering here, um, and so uh, we have. Uh, we're, we're completely comfortable with uh, being able to feed and, and make, giving everyone a drink here. <laughs> I'm just thinking about the coaching staff preparing for this game and just having so many months mm. to plan and prepare and select the team and then tinker with it and change it. And you've had all those intra-club friendlies, which is probably you know a selection battle every single time. How are the coaching staff feeling ahead of this one? Because I can imagine going slightly <laughs> insane waiting for this fixture. Oh, I think so. And also, let's not also forget we've got um, the overriding issue of COVID and making sure that, you know, uh, we do lots of rapid testing here. Mm-hmm. Both both squads will be doing the same thing tomorrow and plenty of people that are accessing uh, those areas because we've got lots of zones, obviously. Uh, so I think one of the stressful things has been um, uh, making sure that, you know, uh, uh, our players are protected from, from COVID. Yeah. But... Um, uh, in terms of uh, it's because it's all hands on deck at the moment here, mm-hmm. um, uh, given particularly uh, the, the 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 whole raft of rules in relation to in relation to running these events. But I did catch the the senior coach briefly yesterday, and he had a smile on his face, and he's ready to go. Well, he's got somebody he's very very knowledgeable with. Uh, young Patrick Kisnorbo is knows his way. Apparently, he used to grab the tram, come down Clarendon Street, and then walk his way to the ground. So he knows the I, ground very well. I heard P- Paddy on uh, on radio on Sunday, and uh, I sent him a message just to thank him for those kind words. The, the things he said about South were, were fantastic. Um, and they're real. And, and they're real. Yeah. And where it fits in, in his heart and his career and everything that he's been able to achieve, he... Um, we then got on the phone to each other as well. So, um, no, it's, it's actually a pleasure to have Paddy here. Um, I, I actually asked him how his Achilles tendon that he ripped um, was going well because <laughs> and, and he actually said to me, you won't believe it, Nick. And, and of all places, it actually happened at Lakeside. Oh, shit. 
when uh, we had the uh, old Socceroos playing the Copperoos that we do on I, I wasn't going to say anything, but thank you for that, Nick. <laughs> Mate, good luck tomorrow. It's a tremendous uh, evening. It should be. It's an, For me, uh, when you consider how many great evenings the club has had and has, uh, has enjoyed, this will be another one. Bravo. Good luck tomorrow night. Absolute online sales. Remind everyone, please. Okay. No tickets at the gate. Don't come no turning up expecting to Make get sure you get online and get yourself a ticket. Very it's fun. tomorrow night. Uh, Nick tells me everything is good to go. And all that we need now is to get the weather man or woman to make sure that they keep the showers in until about 10 o'clock, right? Good, good luck with that one, George. Bravo. <laughs> yes, mate. <laughs> Thank you. Hey, thanks for the invitation. Take care, gents. All the best. Thanks, Nick. Nick Marcus. That's great. Now, our next guest, I wonder if she's ready and about to join us. Her name is Sarah Walsh. We'll take a break. When we come back, catch up with someone who has a tremendous responsibility at Football Australia. She'll tell us more in just a moment. You're listening to the State of Our Football Nation on FNR. Yeah, don't blink. It is a real studio. We're not virtual. We're not Zooming, unless we're Zooming to catch up with guests in other parts of Australia. And one of them is joining us right now via Zoom. And she's in Sydney. And she should be because the Socceroos are about to play a very, very important game against Saudi Arabia. I'm talking about the head of women's football, Women's World Cup legacy and inclusion at Football Australia. That is a mouthful, Sarah Walsh. <laughs> it is, uh, much like the, uh, the portfolio itself. But it's, um, look, it's a really fun job. Listen, it's more than this for you. Uh, you've been a Matilda 2004 to 2012. You then became part of the ABC's coverage for about four years. Then it was Fox. And you thought, what more can I do in this game? And, and look, I tell you what, you have an enormous responsibility um, because right now Football Australia has done something very special. Uh, we, we spoke to Johnny Didlitzer earlier about Football Belongs, his new book. And he talked about the great characters of the past. And one chapter includes the fabulous characters, larger-than-life characters of Charlie Perkins and John Moriarty and their travails, their challenges, their setbacks. And can you imagine John Moriarty being told, you're an outstanding young talent, young man, but you can't leave the state unless you get a permit. What a time. What a journey. What a bunch of obstacles but how important we tell their story. And, and I grew up in Sydney, so I had the great fortune to know Charlie Perkins. We played the same club, Panhellenic. So it's even more real for me because I know how magnificent they were as characters and how combative and how important they are. But we've got some tremendous talent. Why haven't we tapped them in all these years? What have we done wrong? Yeah, well, look, I'm, I'm probably the wrong person to ask, but uh, I think just I'll start by saying that, you know, you said it's an enormous responsibility. I, I see it as a, a massive privilege to be able to work with uh, the likes of the group that we've been able to appoint. Um, but I, I will just say, you know, Football Australia is finally here with, with a really strong governance to be able to ensure that whatever we set up here is sustainable. Um, I just want to acknowledge, like you just said, John, John Moriarty, he's had a foundation for a very long time running amazing grassroots uh, programs um, in, you know, in many parts of Australia and so have our state federations. Um, what we're aiming to do is, is do something with really strong foundations so they're there, you know, long beyond my time in, in my role. Um, and, and looking to obviously 
uh, it's a two-year appointment for the for the current um, appointments, uh, but we have a massive opportunity with this Women's World Cup. We're trying to think of all the levers we can pull to ensure that we finally actually build out the structures that uh, First Nations peoples uh, in football actually deserve. Um, and hopefully, you know, at the end of all that, we see many more Kai Simons and Jade Knowles um, because simply, you know, the numbers don't stack up right um, when you look at the other codes. Sarah, since the separation of the professional leagues from Football Australia, is that uh, uh, that distraction being taken away and, and being handled by a different body given Football Australia maybe a little bit more time and resource to focus on these kinds of initiatives and, and addressing the long-term problems in the game? Yeah, look, I, I, I don't know if the, the, the two things, if it's a coincidence or it's related, but um, there's no doubt that obviously Football Australia, we play a regulatory role with, with the leagues now um, and, and we are, I guess, uh, more focused on um, you know, grassroots and national teams and, you know, particularly diversity inclusion. Um, and, yeah, as you said, trying to uh, build out the structures that, that haven't quite been there to ensure that what we do here is, is for long term and it's not, um, you know, it, it's not short-sighted and it's not programmatic, actually. This advisory group we've set up has a, a very strong terms of reference, which, you know, will evolve over time. Uh, we've started our wrap at Football Australia. Um, you know, we've talked about should we start at the innovate level? No, we, we're going to start at reflect. Uh, but we've also got a World Cup, so how do we amplify this messaging during that time? And I think you would have seen small things like uh, the, the brand video uh, where we started to use traditional place names, really small things like that that are going to have global reach. Um, I think will help us accelerate the change a little bit quicker. But I'm, I'm most interested in this body and how they set us up, set us up for long-term success. You're talking about Darug country and the uh, Baramadigal people, hey? This is the, 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 the home of the Socceroos tonight. They have a tremendous uh, challenge uh, because Saudi Arabia are not coming here just to, to be fancy, fancy pantsies. They're here to, to win. Um, are you excited about some of the buzz that's going around? Because the, the latest television deal seems to have struck a chord with so many people. Uh, I remember watching the Melbourne Cup with some friends of mine and the first ad right after the race was the brand new ad from Channel 10 telling us that the new home of the game was CBS Viacom, uh, Paramount Plus and 10. Yeah. Yeah, look, I, I, I hate to keep bringing it back to the Women's World Cup, but this is our sports time. Um, you know, I was watching Bachelor on Channel 10 the other day and a graphic come up of Sam Kerr. Um, I'm sitting in Combank Stadium here tonight, who's a major partner of Football Australia and, and the women's national teams. Um, the Socceroos are a big part of that. It's their year uh, next year. So, um, and obviously tonight, you know, the journey there is is very exciting for our football code. But I, I really do think this is our sports moment. Um, we've finally got the right partners on board. We've, we've had partners that have really helped us build foundations like Fox Sports and SBS and, um, you know, they and are ABC, basically yep. only an ABC, yes. So um, this is not about better than. This is about a point in time where our game, it's our space now, to really make the most of it. So, uh, yeah, and again, it starts here tonight. I can't tell you how exciting it is to have some blues <laughs> on home soil. It's been way too long. Don't you be sorry for anything. You just you just grab it with both hands, uh, Sarah. Don't say sorry, right? As you said, <laughs> this is our time, and this yeah. is the, the Matilda's time. It's the women's game, 
and uh, Josh has been enormously supportive and over the last three or four years has gone out and called games and we've, we've been watching some tremendous talent uh, in the mm. women's game and also in the NPL, in the lower tiers of the game and there's some serious talent coming through. They just want an opportunity. Absolutely. And, I mean, that, that is some of the work that, that James Johnson is, is trying to do coming in is, is create that unified uh, pyramid. Um, you know, there's a lot of talk about a, a second division and, and obviously starting to streamline what we do as a game. Um, we're talking about that in the uh, the First Nations space. But absolutely, you know, there's there's people that have been working this game for a very long time at, at lower levels and how do we start to connect the pyramid? Um, and that work is obviously happening behind the scenes. I noticed, Sarah, that Kai Simon makes up part of this advisory panel on the Indigenous Football Initiative we're talking about. How much does it help, even if it's just a symbolic gesture, that we have a group of Matildas who are willing to put themselves out there and and kind of be activists in this space Mm. and even go as far as posing with an Indigenous flag before a game? Yeah, well, I think, yeah, I think you want to talk about leadership and some of the people, some of the the women that we have in our national team and, and obviously in the Socceroos, I think obviously um, we didn't get the result we wanted in Japan, but, you know, it's no mean feat what they were able to achieve prior to that. Um, and I think we we underestimate what it, how hard it is to win overseas in some of those conditions. But, um, you know, we couldn't be more prouder of, of the Matildas and, and the stance they took at, um, uh, at the Olympics and, and basically we had nothing to do with that. So when you have a values-led uh, group like that, um, that that go out and, and make statements like that, they, they did a unity circle and we obviously had the Oliveroos that took the knee as well. Um, we mean it. It's now about delivering the actions um, and not just the, the symbolic gestures, although they're, they're super important. Um, but when we were thinking about the skills and the people that we needed on this group, um, we thought very carefully about, you know, uh, coaching experience. We've always got Frank Farina and, and Tanya Oxtabee. Tanya Oxtabee is absolutely killing it over mm. with Chelsea there. Um, but, uh, yeah, obviously the playing experience, professional playing experience. We have Selena Holtz, who is also up in Northern Territory, uh, a board member. And I don't know if you know Narelda Jacobs, but she's a fresh new face on Channel 10, um, Network 10. Sorry. Yeah, we so, do. Someone in ITV. I mean, these people are super impressive. Kenny Bedford, who's on the Reconciliation Australia board, uh, we've got such a great, um, you know, group of people. I really hope that we don't just deliver the work, um, that the community actually gets to hear much more from from these people who have a lot to say. The Matildas made an outstanding statement in Game 2 against Brazil. That was pulsating television. Forget about whether it's men's or women's competition. You couldn't take your eyes off the screen and you couldn't look away because, you know, you, you're just sitting there watching what's going to happen next. It, it, that, that, is, that is some selling tool. If you're going to talk about bringing people to the game, if you're talking about encouraging the next generation of Matildas, wow, there, was never, there wasn't a better advertisement for the game. Oh, absolutely. And there's, there's no bigger advertisement that... that were able to bring the likes of USA um, at their peak to come back here to play before a Women's World Cup. I know that, you know, we're hosting it and it's an opportunity to see the infrastructure for that team. But, um, look, we only play great opposition these days and that's basically because teams want to test themselves against against this team and um, something about this team is that we always know we're going to score goals. (laughs) What an absolute luxury if we can start to balance things at the back. Uh, we're a well-betting team and, and we've got enough time to be able to get things right for not only the Asian Cup but the Women's World Cup. Uh, just do us a favour before you go. Promise us that next time you see Steph Catley, tell her to save those goals that she scores for Arsenal 
and, and she can use them anytime she wants to for the Matildas. Thank you very much. Well, she's going to have to take on Alana Kennedy because Alana Kennedy normally lines up those. Um, oh, but, dear. yeah, I think that's going to be interesting next time we get a, a spot kid outside the box. So, yeah, I'll tell her. We've seen a few teams do uh, rock, paper, scissors. Oh, yes, what, rock, what, paper, scissors. What was the uh, system in, in your playing days? Can, can well, you she remember for penalties that? and free I kicks? Nowhere, I was nowhere near taking free kicks. So <laughs> I wouldn't know. It wasn't your business? Sarah, do you remember that moment in the W League final or grand final? And it was Melbourne City playing someone, and I think it was our, our coach at the time, our women's captain and coach or assistant coach, and she did a, a rock, paper, fish lock. Yeah, it was yeah. Fishlock. And she said, okay, who's going to call it? Who's going to do it? Da, da, da. And, and, so, and, sh- and sure enough, she did. And then she followed through it? and scored. Uh, nice. Just Fishlock. Yeah. No, no flies on her back. It was just amazing to watch. Yeah. Now, listen, thank you very much for, for taking the time. Promise us you'll come back and we'll do this as often as we can because we've got an important message, not only to propagate the fact that uh, there's a fantastic initiative that the FA has got right behind and you've got a great group of people. Let's hope we can talk to some of them as well on the journey absolutely. as we get to the Women's World Cup. Yeah, absolutely. Best. I think yeah, we'll, we'll most definitely get Jade and Kai to join the program to um, you know share their knowledge. So that's, that's where it's kept. Well, hold on to your hat tonight. Good luck. Thank you very much, guys. Thanks, Enjoy Sarah. the game. Sarah Walsh joining us from Sydney via Zoom. Tremendous stuff. She's got enormous responsibility. But what a platform she's got also to watch some great talent coming through. And, and, and let's see what happens in less than two years' time when the opening game is played uh, in New Zealand and the, and the final, of course, as we now know, has been cemented and will be played uh, at mm. the National Stadium in Sydney. Yeah. I'm just wow. looking through some of these names on this Indigenous Advisory Committee that meets for the first time in December. So I don't think Walshie had any answers for us yet because no, the group is no. yet to meet. But I've just, all they've, they've all got ideas. I mean, Jade North, who's been doing some wonderful work uh, through his a charity, Kicking with a Cuz. Um, and uh, obviously, uh, John Maynard, who's a real uh, academic, Professor John Maynard, I should say, who's uh, done some really interesting work and, and made some headlines uh, a few years ago for his... Uh, work in challenging the kind of Marnbrook myth of the AFL and saying that maybe some of those games that Indigenous <laughs> Australians were playing back uh, so many years ago when, uh, you know, Europeans first settled in Australia maybe resembled association football just as much as they did, you know, the uh, Indigenous sport in this country. And uh, Tanya Oxtoby, the assistant coach of Chelsea, um, first Indigenous captain of a W League side. Karen Menzies, the first yeah, the Indigenous Jenkins. woman to it's, it's, play for the Matildas. It's a star-studded list. Yep. Uh, Frank Farina on there as well, yep. of course, uh, yep. hailing from the Torres Strait Islands. Correct. So. And um, and it, it committed. They're all committed. They mm. want to make a difference. And that's that's what we want to do, just as uh, much of what we do at FNR is very similar. Uh, from inception, it's been to improve and promote the game and push that voice of the game across the country. Uh, thanks for joining us. Look forward to next week. Got some great guests. You thought oh, yeah. tonight was good. Next week's even better. Yeah, just you wait and see. <laughs> You're listening to the State of Our Football Nation on FNR.